Many years ago, I worked at a ministry in Texas for about four years, and uh, things were starting to wind down there, and so a bunch of my friends were heading out to California. And I really had no other plans. I knew that I didn't want to come back here to Rhode Island. That was one thing I did know. So, sure, I'll go to California. That's what everyone does when you don't know what else to do, right? So uh, I spent a few months out there. I got a, a temporary job. And at some point, I started to feel like God wanted me to leave. Again, no plans. I had no, nowhere to go, and I didn't want to return to Rhode Island. So there was this struggle that I had. One day I was coming home from work. Now, I, while I was out there, I bought my dream car. I always wanted to have a, uh, a Corvair, you know, unsafe at any speed, that kind of thing. And uh, so I bought this 1964 Corvair, and I'm coming down what they call the grade. It's the mountains in California. And uh, my Corvair died, just stopped running, which wouldn't have been such a bad thing, except it was rush hour, and they closed all lanes except for the one that I was in. So my car rolled to the bottom of the hill, stopped. There was no breakdown lane. People couldn't get past me, really. And I get out of my car. I tried to start it, tried, tried, tried. It wouldn't start. I got out of my car, frustrated. And I saw this as just another way that God was telling me, get out of California. So they had set up the Jersey barriers to block the other lanes. I hopped over the Jersey barrier, and I'm walking down the side of the highway, and I'm kind of having this argument with God. Fine, you want me to leave California? I'll leave California. You got your point across. And way up ahead, where the Jersey barrier you know, ends, I see this black car pulling into the closed lanes and backing up towards me. Big black car. It's like a, it's like a scene from The Godfather. And I'm walking, and I'm arguing with God, and I see this car backing up towards me. And as the car gets closer, I realize that the license plate is G-O-D-S. At this point, I kind of start to laugh, because here I am having an argument with God, and here comes God's car to pick me up. <laughs> well, I get to the car, and, you know, I've got something like, get in. And I got in the car, and the guy gave me a ride to a phone. I was able to call a tow truck. He took me back to my car. They towed my car to a mechanic. When we got to the mechanics, the guy said, well, have you tried to start your car? I said, yeah, 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 I tried hundreds of times. I tried. It's dead. Oh, let me try. He gets out. He starts, turns the car. Sure enough, starts up. You know, so at this point, I'm thinking, like, well, what's this, like an angel or something? What's going on here? So... He follows me home to my house. I talked to him for a little while. I don't know much about him. He said he came from somewhere up, up the coast, you know. But, uh, which is where you expect angels to come from, right? Uh, but anyway, the moral of the story is, uh, for me, it, it, it is when God says go, go. Right? When God wants you to do something, do it. It's always best to do what he wants. It's always best to go with God. And if you need a ride, he'll send a car. Turn, me, turn with me, if you will, to uh, Genesis chapter 11. And keep your thumb in chapter, the beginning of chapter 12. Genesis 11, 1. <clears throat> now the whole world had one language and a common speech. 
As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches into the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And then just in the beginning of chapter 12, chapter 12 begins, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's house, household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now the first when I first started reading the Bible years ago I thought you know, and you get this impression that you read this, the quick few, first 11 chapters of Genesis and then, and then God chooses Abraham and then the rest of the Old Testament is about the Jews, right? And it strikes you as like, so Jews are, you know, these are, these are the, the, the Israelites are, you know, like God's favorite people, right? And, and then there are these people building the tower and, and, you know, they're all sweaty and red and they're like these barbarous types, you know, and they're... They're building the tower and they're doing their own thing and God rejects them and scatters them and chooses, you know, Abraham with his nice fluffy beard and very contemplative type. And, uh, and, then, Genesis, and, and then we find a story where, you know, Abraham lies, does something. And, you know, my mother used to say to me, you know, like she'd, she'd read the Bible and she'd say, oh, what's this? You know, this holy person did this thing wrong or that thing wrong. But the first 11 chapters of Genesis cover at least, if not much more, a period of time, the same period of time, that the rest of the Old Testament covers. So it stands to reason that during that long, long period of time, God was gracious to many people, right? He showed himself, he was present, he was there, he was working with people, he was speaking with people, right? Noah, right? 200 years he obeys God and... and, uh, Builds an ark. That's faith, right? He was doing some work with Noah. And I'm sure there were other people that God spoke to. He, has a, he had a plan. He has a plan. In Genesis 11, it says that the people say, let us make a name for ourselves. There's no mention of God. What should, God, should we build a city, make a tower? Right? It's their idea. They, they come up with this idea. Let's build a city, make a tower. The project's t- typically, you know, grandiose. You know, it's uh, the top will be in the heavens. 
Everybody's talking about it. It's going to be so great. You know, I'm working on the stairs. Hey, Huzz, Buzz, come here, bring your chisels. Type something, uh, engrave something on here. I don't know. One small step for man. Right? It's presumptuous. Do this thing. We don't need God. There's rhythm in the way they, the vision's expressed. Come, let us make bricks and bake them. Come, let us build a city and the towers in heaven. It's almost musical. Come, let us bake bricks and bake them in ovens, right? The whole thing will be crowned with Julie Andrews singing, Climb every mountain. <laughs> but pride and presumption is not the only thing behind their plan, right? Because they say, lest we be scattered. Let's do these things lest we be scattered. That's the same, same fears we all have. Fear concerning what, might, what the future might bring. Anxiety and insecurity about what will happen to their community and their families. Right? It's the two, two things going on there. It's like the space race. I mean, I listen to old news clips about the space race, and it's like, you know, like I said, one small step, one giant leap. All the great things they said about how great we are that we can do these things. And it was, it was amazing. But behind all that was the arms race, right? Behind all that was fear that if we don't beat the Russians there, they'll somehow appear, they'll be superior and we'll be scattered abroad, as it was. And the Lord's response. Is not the response is it's not the response of a rival, but it's the response of a father, right? It's not like oh no, they're going to build a tower. It's going to reach the heaven. They're coming to get me. No. He says, "Let us go down." The language is anthropomorphic, right? It's like in human, how humans understand it. He's not afraid. It's like you hear your kids in the next room. He pushed me. He pushed me first. And you go in the next room. What's going on? Oh, if I let them do this, this is just the beginning of what they'll do, right? Now, they're, today, they're pushing each other and knocking each other down. Tomorrow, they'll be pulling their hoods up, rolling up their pants, walking around with guns, you know. Imagine where they'll be as teenagers, and we better straighten this out right now. Left to themselves, the people building the tower, right? They would have brought about the same conditions that existed prior to the flood. They're going to destroy themselves again. It's not that, the problem is not that they were going to build a city. It's that they are going to do all these things without submitting those things to God. Well, what does God want us to do? Right? The progress of evil men. It goes bad places. You know, I think about, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the uh, bumper sticker. It says, it's a little peace sign made up of religious symbols, and it says, uh, Coexist, you know. And the assumption is that all wars have been caused by religion, right? We just look at the past, just over fifty years. 
the things that happened with Stalin and Hitler, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, and then abortions, right? The past, what, 30 years? Add those together, two billion people murdered. It doesn't seem like religion is the big problem. And certainly not Christianity. But that's the, that's the assumptions, the kind of assumptions that the world makes, right? We've got to do it without God because that's the problem. Jesus and all his people, the things that are done in the name of organized religion. So anyway, God split them up. He confused, he confused their language, right? And by doing that, he brought about two things. One is uh, fulfilled his command. His command in 9.1 to Noah and his children was to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. All right? That was one of the things they were trying to resist doing, fill the earth. The other thing is he brought about a kind of balance of power, right? Instead of having one big group of people that could do whatever they wanted to other people, Whoever, what other little group out might exist out there, he split them all up. He checks and balances. As soon as one gets a little too out of control, he raises up another group against that group. And everything's balanced. Only it limits the amount of damage that any group of people can do. Against this backdrop of fear, anxiety, and frustrated plans, God calls Abraham to do the very same thing, right? Come out from your country, your kindred, your father's house. Hebrews calls that an act of faith. Right? That's the thing that everybody was afraid of. Come out of your country, come away from your kindred, come out of your father's house. Be scattered, right? But the difference is, the Lord said to Abraham, I will show you a land. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And through you all the nations shall be blessed. See the difference there? In Abraham's case, it's God doing the thing. It's God leading him. It's God showing him. It's him. God making his name great or making him famous. God protecting him. And because of that, other people, all nations, will be blessed. Again, did God pick Abraham because, you know, he was his favorite? Well, he might have liked him, but it was part of his plan. It's God's plan. He was initially exclusive so that he could be maximally inclusive later. Picked one people to bless all people. So he didn't forget about those people back at the tower. <clears throat> if you love people, right? Abraham was afraid to go out, I'm sure. That's why it, it's considered a, an act of faith. If you love people, the best thing you can do is obey God. And then they'll be blessed too by it. The result of his obedience was, by you, all nations shall be blessed. Now, ultimately, right, we know, as 
read the Bible for any amount of time, ultimately you know this is all fulfilled in Christ, right? Right? The blessing to all nations comes through the incarnation and Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and uh, us applying that you know, in faith to our, to our lives. But, <clears throat> but the nations were also going to be blessed before, until that time as God dwelled with his people, right? It was a long time between this promise and uh, Jesus, his, his, the parents of Jesus. So we have the story. The Bible follows through with the story, right? You have uh, <clears throat> Egypt, great empire, and uh, God leads his people down into Egypt, sort of an incubator so we can create this great nation. It's a place for them to grow and settle. But meanwhile, they're influencing people, talking to people, right, about their faith. The Bible says that when they left, a mixed multitude went with them. We don't know exactly what that means, but we do know that some of the people and some of the names that are mentioned are Egyptian names, right? So quite possibly many Egyptians went with them. When they were in the wilderness, remember they went in, they sent spies in to check out the land, and Rahab said, we've heard about you. We're afraid of you. We know what your God does, right? So the nations are being influenced. They, they've, the hearing of God. It's not, it's not a, this Jewish, he, this Hebrew thing is not done in a vacuum where God is just blessing this little group of people and nobody else is being blessed by them or being affected or, or hearing or converting. They won battles miraculously. Right? People would hear about that. At the dedication of the first temple, uh, Solomon's temple, when after they'd come into the land, during Solomon's prayer, he prays what they call a, it's the prayer for the foreigner. And he said, oh Lord, remember when a foreigner comes from a faraway place and comes to your temple and they kneel down and they pray, hear their prayer and answer so that all the nations will learn to fear you, right? To love you. So again, there was this, this idea of mission in the Old Testament that God was still, he didn't forget about those people. They weren't just scatter, go away. He scattered them abroad, but it was all part of the plan to bless everyone. Story of Jonah, right? Uh, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Not a, not a group of Israelites, just outsiders. Obviously, Jonah doesn't want to go. He doesn't get it. doesn't get it. They were to be light to the nation, a blessing to all people. It's not just about you. It's not just for you. It's for everyone. So he runs the other way. But in running and in God disciplining him, you know, there's the story of the storm and the, and the mariners and they're, they're making sacrifice to their gods and nothing is working when they pray to their gods. Well, they drag Jonah up from under the deck and, you know, what God do you serve? Well, I serve the God of heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land and, well, just about all the things you see that are going crazy here right now. Throw me in the water and, you know, that'll fix everything. So they throw him off the boat and, sure enough, 
the, the water is, you know, everything's the storm ends. Now, I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but that's pretty amazing. Imagine those mariners, right? Jonah's gone, swallowed by a whale. The storm stops. At this point, what are they left with? Our gods don't help. But his did, we think, not him, but he's powerful anyway, right? So you can imagine, now they're on their way to Tarshish. In the story of the Tower of Babel, in the preceding chapter, chapter 10, which is called the Table of Nations, Tarshish is one of the places that's mentioned. And here go these mariners. I can imagine them, right? When they get to the place wherever mariners go when they pull into port. Arr, you ever hear the story about the whale and the great God who controls the heavens, right? They're preaching. And the people from Tarshish are the foreigners. They go down to the temple, right? Pray. It's like the sinner's prayer of the Old Testament. God, hear their prayer so that all nations might believe. This is the story of, you know, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Again, God working. Even when his people had failed and he brought, brought them into captivity, still he chose people of faith and, uh, and worked through them. So what's so great about Israel? The great thing about Israel was that God was with them. After they returned from Babylon, from captivity, they were supposed to build a temple. It took a long time, 18, 20 years, still no temple. Right? Sure, they had problems, they had things going on, you have to take care of the farm, keep working on the house, and we got these enemies out here, and they're giving us trouble, and you know. So the prophets, Zechariah, Haggai, they come along and they prophesy, and Haggai says, Look, how long are you going to keep working on your houses? How long are you going to keep working on your paneled houses? I thought there were other problems with paneling other than, but anyway. Um, how long are you going to keep working on your houses? Keep dressing them up, keep making them better, and, you know, working on all your own stuff while my temple lays in ruins. Well, what's the problem there, right? Can't we do this without a building? Um, the problem was that they were to be the people of God's presence. And in that time, the temple, right, that was the place where God dwelled. That's how God tabernacled with his people. He dwelled in the holies of holy of holies. And that was the place that everyone looked to. Even Jonah from the belly of the whale, right, I will look to your temple. That was their mission. Their mission was to be the people of God's presence, the people who God dwelled with. And that's how they were to be a light and a blessing to all people in the Old Testament. Now, the New Testament reveals that Jesus, of course, as I said, is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise that the nations would be blessed. Right? And at Pentecost we see that God reunites the languages that were split up at the Tower of Babel. Right? It all comes back together there in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's something to unify about, right? The gospel, the good news, what God's plan is fulfilled there. 
And so we can unite under that banner. There's a little sneak peek. Revelations 5.9 says, By thy blood you did ransom men for God from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So we know it works, right? In the end, the plan, the plan works. But we're not there yet. Jesus said, go, and I am with you. That I am with you. It's comforting. Right? When you're afraid to do something, I'm, I'm with you. And that's usually how we apply it. That's how I apply it, right? Um, but, but it's not just for comfort. Go is only meaningful or powerful or effectual if he's with us, right? Because our glory is the fact that he's with us, that he's in us. It's not us. It's not about just the going. It's about the going and he's with us. We're at, we are Abraham's seed, according to the promise. This Bible, the whole thing, Old Testament, New Testament, it's our history. He tabernacles with us. Like in the temples of old, he dwells in us now, the New Testament says. And because that's true, there are times, like there were times in Josiah's day, where we had to go in and clean out the temple, right? Get rid of the idols, get rid of the, the things that pollute, that offend, the things that make it an uncomfortable place or, or a place where God can't work freely through. It's not proper English, but you don't get my drift. Sometimes we need to spend a little less time working on the, you know, the, the, the houses, the paneled houses, as Haggai said, right? All the little things that we get busy about and seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And let God add those things to us, take care of those things. On one hand, the nations are watching from the rubble of their ruined cities as they were in Babel and the heaps of their broken dreams, their unfinished towers. They're tired of the disappointment and the futility of life without God. So that's what it is. On the other hand, There's arrogant Babylon still out there. Right? It's talking again. They found a language where they can all communicate. Things are coming together, right? The world is reuniting. Eternal life without the bother of what they consider to be an irrelevant God seems just around the next bend of genetic research and discovery. We're firing up the ovens again. We're forming our bricks. The world is about to join hands and sing. That's how it seems, right? John Lennon's song and all that kind of stuff. We're all going to join hands and sing. This is great. We can do this without God. We can do this on our own. 
It's going to be like heaven. Heaven on earth. Heaven without God. Oh, 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 oh. Oprah's going to be there too. <laughs> so now, as much as ever, the people of God need the glory of God to fill their temples. He's promised to be with us. And that needs to be our, our focus. God is with us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you promised to be with us. We thank you that we're not alone in our walk with you, that you have promised to be with us, to show us where we're going and to bless us and to uh, be our God. We can submit our lives to you and our time to you and our all to you with confidence knowing that you will guide us. Lord, we, we love you and we thank you that you have chosen to, uh, we, we, chosen to dwell in us. We pray, Lord, that more than anything, we would treasure you as you dwell within our earthen vessels. Please help us, Lord, to do this, to glorify you every day, every moment of our lives, Lord, to submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.